1: just before we start this new episode, I want to let you know that I've uploaded part one of a new premium series, that's Premium 29, and it's available now. So Premium Series 29 is all about how my dad speaks English. And what I've done is I've been through his latest appearance on the podcast. That was episode 704, the Rick Thompson report. I've been through it, listened carefully to it, been through the transcripts because there is a transcript for that one. And I've picked out loads of target language. That's phrases, expressions, collocations, and other nice bits of language that my dad used. And in Premium29, I'm going through all those phrases, breaking them down, looking at their meanings, giving plenty of examples, expanding things and looking at various common collocations with that language, useful synonyms and more. With practice exercises, a memory test and pronunciation work too. The overall aim being to help you learn English from my dad and learn the sort of English that he uses. People often comment on his use of English, sort of positively, I mean. They're not <laughs> they don't just like, "Oh, your English is terrible." No, quite the opposite. People will often point out or comment on his English, the clarity, the way he's, you know, articulate, and also the way, you know, he pronounces things with his accent and so on. People often, you know, will comment on those things. And, well, basically, that's the target this time. Let me help you learn English directly from him. So if you want more information about the premium subscription or you're just ready to sign up now, then go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. That's teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. And of course, if you sign up, you'll also be helping to support this podcast long term. Right, so let's now turn our attention to this new episode of the free podcast. And here we go with the jingle right now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. I hope you're doing well. In this episode, you're going to listen to a conversation with another Lepster picked by other Lepsters for an appearance on this podcast. This time, it's the turn of William from France, who came joint third in the competition. It was a tie between William and Robin from Hamburg, and Robin will be on the podcast soon as well. Right, so this episode is the latest in the Wispolep series, and Wispolep means why I should be on Luke's English podcast, and it was a competition I launched last year in which listeners sent in short recordings to persuade members of the audience to vote for them to be chosen for an interview on my podcast. So far, I've spoken to the winner, that was Awala from Syria, and second place contender Tasha from China. I've spoken to both of them, Let's now return to Europe and talk to William, who lives in France. Europe. I didn't mean to go at the end. Europe. Europe. (laughs) Um, Let's now return to Europe. That's more like it, isn't it? Let's now return to Europe and talk to William, who lives in France. Shout out to all the French Lepsters. Salut les Français et les Francophones. Ça va? (laughs) There you go. Salut tous les Français. Salut tous les francophones. Ça va? Um, shout out to all the French Lepsters and French-speaking Lepsters out there in Lepland. William William uh, is from France. So I think these Whisper Lep interviews are really interesting and there's a lot to gain from listening to them. Sure, there will be some people who will decide that they just can't listen to another learner of English and only native speakers of English are worth listening to. I can understand that to an extent, but I do think that completely dismissing non-native speakers of English like that is a mistake. Learning English is a complex and personal process, and I think there is a great deal to be gained from listening to other learners describe their experiences and methods of learning English. This can give you inspiration in terms of specific things you can do to improve your learning. And generally, it can give you a lot of perspective about what it really means to be a learner of English or a speaker of English as a second language or a third language or fourth language or whatever it is. It can give you perspective on what proficiency really is, what fluency really means, how important perfection is compared to Just having the initiative to just go out there and start using English. Also, it can give you a sense of camaraderie with other fellow learners, and it's very healthy to know that you're part of a community of similar language learners around the world, all of whom are trying to work on their English level in various ways. Some people are better than others, but everyone is going through a similar process. In fact, In fact, we're all learners of English in a way, including me, and it's wrong to think that learning English has a specific end point or conclusion to it. It's a never-ending process, really, and there are always things to learn and ways to improve in terms of how we use this tool to communicate with people more effectively. Perfection is not necessarily the thing to expect from yourself or from others. It's a high ideal to strive towards, but if you only accept perfect English then prepare to be disappointed both by yourself and by others. Setting perfection as your ultimate goal is quite unrealistic and doesn't really reflect the nature of English as a pragmatic language. When you're using English in the real world, it's not necessarily about having flawless English, but about the results that you achieve with your English. It's, you know, it's connection, not perfection, as the girls from All English always say. Um, So this doesn't mean that you shouldn't be ambitious or that you shouldn't try to do your very best in English. It's important to try to be better at English, of course. But little mistakes are inevitable. Holes in your knowledge of English are inevitable. And you shouldn't let these things stop you on your journey with this language. We have to try to accept that we'll make mistakes And we have to learn from them. You have to be philosophical about it. Another idea that strikes me as I listen to these Wispolep episodes is that curiosity and a willingness to take risks are really important. It seems to help your progress in English if you are willing to go out of your comfort zone a bit and throw yourself into situations that will ultimately help your English to develop be curious all the time and keep moving forwards in your quest to know more, learn more and get more control over the language, even if you never really get to the end. In fact, there isn't really an end point. But be patient and don't let little obstacles get in your way. Suddenly, I feel, I feel like I'm being preachy. That preachy is a word that came up in the um, episode with my mum recently about philosophy and stoicism. Um, which was kind of like about how stoic values can help you to uh, lead a happier life, basically, and I said at the end, you know I hope you I hope that didn 't come across as being preachy so be, to be preachy p r e a c h y preaching is kind of like basically telling people how they should live their lives like you should do this, you shouldn 't do that preachy uh, so to be preachy is the is the adjective, which is mean, which means that you 're sort of preaching at people or acting in that kind of way. So I suddenly feel preachy. But um, no, I do stand by the things I've just said. I think we can all accept that they're true. I mean, you know, in real life, in, in actual practice, it can be, you know, difficult to put all these things into practice. And I, you know, I speak for myself uh, there in terms of my French. Like, you know, I have all these, I know all this stuff. I, we all know it's true. But do we apply th- these things to our, our language learning? Uh, not always. Actually the thing is another important thing is is this like don't beat yourself up we you know it's it's important to know all these sort of principles about what we should and shouldn't do as language learners but actually one of the main things is that we shouldn't really worry about things too much and you shouldn't feel bad if you don't do lots of things that other learners do um yeah so i mean I, you know don't beat yourself up uh, or at all and don't feel obliged to do anything really everyone's got their own way of doing things that's kind of the point I suppose just find your own way of doing it and don't worry about other people take inspiration from from other people but sort of like don't compare yourself to other people too much everyone's got their own way of doing this now I could bang on about this kind of stuff all day but I will conclude by saying that it's up to you to find your own motivation to keep going with English. There is no one perfect way. Everyone has to find their own path, and I think it's a long-term thing. At the very least, certainly for the next hour or so, I hope you simply enjoy listening to William talking about his experiences with an open mind and a sense of curiosity, and don't underestimate the value of listening to fellow learners of English. uh, you know, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Try not to compare yourself to others too much. And equally, don't judge other people too harshly. Just try to take inspiration from other people's stories and examples. So this brings us to William from France. And in fact, this conversation demonstrates a lot of those ideas that I just mentioned. Just a little bit of background information on William before we start, just to give you a sense of the context from which he learned English. So William is from a town just outside Paris called Comdeville, which I think I've pronounced correctly, Comdeville that's where he's from, just just outside Paris, as you will hear him mention. His parents are from the French West Indies, and more specifically from an island called Guadeloupe, which is a French overseas department and region of France in the Caribbean. So his his parents were from there originally, and they moved to France in their 20s. William was born in France. He grew up learning French as his first language, but his parents did speak Creole. Uh, which is the local language from Guadeloupe. Um, So his, his parents did speak Creole in the house as well, but no English. In his own words, Creole and French were the main languages used at home, but my parents didn't want me to use Creole. We were in France, so French was the only language I was allowed to use. So it was a bit strange to be able to understand a language without being able to use it. And that's just like a little bit of context. Basically, French, yes, first language, Creole in the house, but he wasn't allowed to use it. Um, But as you'll hear, English didn't come into William's life until he started learning it at school, like everyone else in France at that time, at about the age of 12. So 12 was really his first sort of introduction to English. But he took to it and he liked it. And uh, I, I wonder if having several languages in the household growing up had anything to do with that. It's possible, but in any case, William didn't get a head start on his peers in terms of English. Have started just like everyone else, really. So, I'm not going to explain in advance all the main points in our conversation, instead, I will let you discover it as you go. What I will say is that I really enjoyed this chat, and you will find that it gets more focused, more specific, and more insightful as it goes on. That's it from me now. Basically, I will speak to you again on the other side of this conversation with a few reflections and thoughts. But now let's hear from William from France, who came joint third in the Wispolep competition. Just one other thing before I forget, here I am coming back like Columbo. Oh, just one more thing. William wanted me to add something at the start of this episode, and that is to say a big thank you to all the people who voted for him in the competition, giving him the chance to be featured in an episode of this podcast, this podcast that he listens to uh, regularly himself and here he is on the on that podcast himself. So he wanted to say thanks to the people who voted for him. So thank you uh, on behalf of William. Okay, right. So let's actually get started. And here we go.
0: William, hello. Hello, hello, Luke. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Yes, being a bit nervous, but uh, you know, yeah feeling
1: really nervous you, you, have you i don't know if have you ever done a podcast before no, not at all it's the first time ever really yeah okay cool and how's, how does it feel to be on this one
0: well i've got the feeling that i'm getting out of my you know comfort zone if i may say so yeah yeah it's uh it's a bit of a challenge i didn't expect that to be honest i did it just to you know just an ex- a game an exercise you know i send my recording at the last minute you know And I didn't expect to be, you know, one of the selected. So uh, it was a bit of a surprise, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. And here I am now. (laughs) Talking (laughs) with
1: Luke. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Luke from Luke's English Podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So you're in France. Whereabouts are you?
0: Well, I'm uh, about 30, uh, a bit less than 30 kilometers in the south of uh, Paris, uh, in the suburbs of Paris. A uh, lovely area. Yes, nice to be where I am. Not far away from the woods. Yes, great. I love where I live. Access to nature—that's good. That's right. Yes, don't get much of that round here. Oh,
1: it's all a bit urban and built up, but that's all right. Lots of <laughs> nice, lots of nice restaurants, <laughs> which are closed. I bet. So, where are you from exactly? You are you from
0: that part of uh, France? What do you mean? Where I lived, or where 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 I was born? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Well, actually, I was born in the north of Paris. Yes, in the north, yes, in the suburbs, in the north of Paris. But I've always stayed in Paris or in the area, in the suburbs. So I've always stayed there. And I lived Mm -hmm. a little bit in England, as I told you in my recording, when I was in my 20s. It's the very beginning of my studies. Yes, you were in your 20s. Yes,
1: Okay. Can I ask how, how old you are now? I don't know yes. if that's, that's not a taboo question in France, is it? No,
0: no, not at all. I'm 46, actually. Okay. Very similar age to me. Yes, yeah, not, yeah.
1: I am younger though. Listeners. Yes, I
0: know. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm a bit older than you. Slightly. Yes.
1: Um, okay. So let me just ask you about your English, about learning English and stuff, because okay. I mean... Are you are you different to like most French people? What do, do you mean think difference in your
0: level of English? It's hard to say. I could very easily talk to some of my colleagues in English from time to time, you know. But um, I don't know if it's a taboo, but we, it's a bit strange. We do not talk that much in English, you know, you know, between English teachers, unless we've got you know native speakers in the team. So it's a quite yeah, it's a bit weird. I don't know. So. It- even in the staff room, you've been, you've been teaching
1: in English. You've been speaking in English in the classrooms. You come back to the staff room and it's just French,
0: French exactly, again. Yes. Most of us are French speakers. So yes, we, we would speak French. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. I think I, I would have liked to speak in English a little bit with my colleagues, you know, even in the, the staff room, just to have another, another opportunity to practice. I think that would have been a good idea to do that it would be
1: a bit weird wouldn't it for a group of french people to just speak in english with each other
0: probably i don't know i don't know sometimes we do it you know but for a very short time i don't know it's uh probably because in france you know we are maybe judgmental can we say that mm-hmm. a little bit and uh even though we we are experienced you know Maybe we may have, you know, listen to the others speaking in English and say, okay oh, that's funny the way he speak. Oh, that's more American. Or maybe it's more British. I don't know. It's uh, never talked about that. Never, never, you know, never tried, even tried.
1: I guess you guys wouldn't be able to, like, switch off the the kind of teacher mode.
0: I don't know. No. Like
1: you'd be analysing each other and and it, it wouldn't feel comfortable or normal. You'd be kind of... Thinking about each other's grammar and it would make you feel self-conscious. Maybe,
0: Probably. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, someone has to start, and when it started, then maybe we would follow. But obviously, nobody does it.
1: But French is French is your language. You know, of course, yes. everyone's going to speak That's French. Right. Yeah, but we're English teachers. But you are English teachers. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a funny one. Mm. Uh, but I was wondering about France, though, in general. Mm-hmm. What's the kind of feeling in this country about? the level of English generally among French people. How do French people feel about their English
0: generally? I think that most people think that their English is a bit low, to be honest, compared to other European countries, for example. And we definitely need to change things so that people have a better level, a higher proficiency, you know, in English. But uh, we're working hard on that, you know. But um, yeah, that's what people say. We're not good at languages. We're not good at English. I wonder why. Probably because uh, we don't have lots of um, English programmes, you know, or probably we do not make the effort to watch and to, you know, have more inputs in English and do things outside the classroom, probably. And that's the reason why we don't make the effort. It's a bit of a pity, to be
1: honest. I guess so. It's it's also a bit of a mystery, too. It is. Honestly, I can't explain it. I just can't. We could come up with lots of theories, you know, like the fact that a lot of TV shows don't get dubbed. Uh, sorry, a lot of TV shows get dubbed and, and films that are shown on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time things are, are, are dubbed into French. That's right. And things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. So your English is good, right? I mean, I think your English is, is, is better than, I mean, I, I having lived in France or well, Paris for about eight years now. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I think that your English is excellent, you know? so, Tell me about that. Like, when do you feel that you learn English? Then, did you did you have exposure to English as a child when growing up? Like, more than uh, than
0: other French people around you? Honestly, not at all. I mean, I started learning English when I was about twelve. You know, first started. You know, I even didn't start before. I mean, I started when I was twelve, and then, you know, I, I just loved it. Loved you know songs. You know, read lyrics, and I loved Michael Jackson at the time. So it was. Uh, was fun you know to study the lyrics and mimic michael jackson and other singers but uh no honestly i ha- haven't had any any exposure beforehand you know i don't have any english speaking family nothing i just okay. love it i just love the way you could you know make new sounds different from french and uh, when i you know started university it was a uh, a real, not a revelation, but, uh, phonology was something that I, you know, that really pushed my English, you know, into overdrive to some extent, I would say.
1: So you started when you were 12. Yeah. Is that when you started like sort of, um, a new level in school or something? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And so between the age of 12 and when you went and when you started university at what, 18?
0: Yes. About that. Yes. Yes. So
1: those six years, check out the maths.
0: Yeah, that's right, six years.
1: Those, <laughs> those six years, what happened in terms of you and English in that period?
0: I was quite good at, at English, that's it, you know, just studied English, and with the tools that we had at the time, that is to say, not much, you know, if you wanted to have some more information, you had to go to the library, no internet at the time, and um, I just loved it, listened to lots of English, but uh, it really changed when I studied, you know, um, high school and university, but... My level was okay. It was normal for a you know 12-year-old. Just sort of normal for a 12-year-old. Yeah. yeah. I had the same difficulties
1: than in the others. And so when you came to university age, yes, about 18, I guess.
0: Yes, more or less.
1: What did you study at university?
0: English, English language and literature. And we had other history and civilizations, you know, everything, phonology, phonetics, all these things, you know, related to English language. Yeah. I see
1: so what was it that changed then when when did things when did you get a significant boost in your English then do you think
0: mm, I guess when I started to go abroad yeah when I made the decision to to you know I wanted to push my English a bit forwards you know it was too academic so yeah uh, yes I said you know, if i if I want to be an English teacher I have to go abroad so I started with the states just on the holiday you know for a whole a whole month then I came back and I said okay let's try and I had the opportunity after two or three years at university, you could you have the possibility to to go to an English-speaking country. And because I knew a little bit of the States, I said, okay, let's go to England. And that's how it certainly started. Yes, and that's really what pushed my my, my English a bit forward, I guess, for sure. Tell me
1: about the opportunity you had to go to England. Mm-hmm. Where, where, uh, how did you have the opportunity and, and where did you go?
0: Well, I don't know if you can do it now, but I guess so. When you study English and you want to become a, a teacher, well, you are offered the opportunity to be a language assistant in an English-speaking country. It's part of the program. It's part of your studies where it's better, you know, to, to say, okay, I've been to England or, you know, I spend some time in, in England or in the US or in another speak, English-speaking country. Because if you want to teach a foreign language, it's best to have some experience uh, in the country, you know, for um, not just for a week or a couple of days, but for a longer time. You were planning to become a teacher? Oh, yeah. Yes, when I was at university. Well, at the very beginning, I wanted to, tr- to be a translator. But uh, my my German at the time, because you needed second language, you had to, yes, obviously speak in French, English, and another language. And I used to be quite good at German, but not good enough, you know, to imagine to be a, a translator. So I just had to forget about that and say, okay, yeah, yeah, teach her mean, you know, I'd like to, to carry on with English and, and to teach English. So for me, it was obvious, you know, to to go abroad and to, to live in a country, an English-speaking country for quite a long time. Okay.
1: So England was the
0: country? Yeah, England. Absolutely. Whereabouts? It was in Kent, a place called Tunbridge Wells, Royal Tunbridge Wells. Tunbridge Wells
1: okay yeah
0: so tell me about your experience of
1: being in Tunbridge Wells how long did you stay there two years right yeah, yeah
0: a little bit more like a bit more than that because after that I used to come and go you know you know quite regularly every month I was uh in England for a few for the following years after that so you know I had the feeling it was my second home somehow and needed I felt the urge to, you know to go to to England every now and then yeah and did you work as a teaching assistant then Yeah, that's right. So I used to speak French to English students. Uh, It was a good experience. My first real, I mean, my first experience as a teacher, really. I mean, you know, full time. So quite interesting. What age groups? I was in a secondary school, two secondary schools, actually, up to uh, sixth formers. Yeah.
1: Okay. Up to sixth formers. So sort yes. of like, sort of 12 to about 16, that kind That's of right. yes. teenagers. So Teenage. what was that like then, te- speaking French cool. or trying to teach French
0: to English teenagers? Challenging. Really, <laughs> really challenging. Honestly, I thought it would have been easy, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Even though um, French, uh, teaching French is something, you know, it's out of this world. I mean, pronunciation was difficult. Um, and also because they thought that French is not that important, you know, they, I think that the teenage, I mean, teenagers are the, uh, hardest group to enthusiast, I think, a fuse, can you
1: say? To, infuse. to enthuse, yeah. Or infuse, to, yeah. to, to enthuse or to, 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 to motivate or, or to, yeah. to make it's they're the hardest people to get enthusiastic
0: or to. Definitely. Yeah. They just didn't care. The French. What for? Everybody speaks English anyway, you know, (laughs) so difficult, difficult, but funny, good experience though. Mm -hmm. Any particular memories that you have of those? Oh, yeah, loads. I mean, (laughs) well, I was, I was very surprised, you know, difference when I, it was a a kind of eye opener, I would say, when I arrived in England and realized that what I really knew about the the country was completely (laughs) different, you know, from what I experienced in school or in england you know just from for example when i started uh doing the register for example just the names you know just to get to know them pronunciation and i started you know to be more familiar with the glottal stop for example you know i could read martin and then the, <laughs> i remember he looked at me and I'd say martin it's said yes that's martin sorry <laughs> what is that that's martin Oh, okay martin Oh my goodness it was so hard you know to be you know to get used to to these frequent glottal stop in every sentence now really mm. difficult yeah but loads very fun, funny lots of uh, language misunderstanding things like that you know with the kids you know a bit of a laugh yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> what else did you expect about england then having grown up in france you probably had a certain view of what england would be And it wasn't like that, I suppose. What did you think Uh, it would be like?
0: Well, I didn't expect anything, to be honest. There was my, all the things I read about England, but also what I experienced with my my own eyes, you know. And the questions also from the students were surprising, you know. Foods, uh, uniforms, for example, not very familiar with uniforms. You know, why did, you know, the student would tell me, what do do I wear, you know, at the weekend? Why? You know, because... (laughs) They wear well, uniforms, sure. you know, during the day, but the weekend they wear something else. So th- it was there, there were, you know, funny questions about culture and how we are, you know, schools, you know, um, in France and schools and in, in England and what's the difference and why, you know, we don't wear uniforms and why we wear everyday clothes, you know, during the week, which was a bit shocking for most of them, for example.
1: Yeah that's yeah. really strange that's really strange for for us. Like I remember uh taking French lessons at school when I was probably 13 or something and we watched a video. We mm-hmm. watched a few videos. One of them was like a video of uh, a group of French teenagers socializing. Okay. And it was just so weird. Like one of the things was they all seemed to be dressed in really adult-looking clothes. Right. I don't know if this is going to make sense to you. Yeah, oh, yeah, I but- understand clearly. Yeah. Like for me, sometimes looking at French young people, it's like they dress like adults, like they dress like. Oh, it's <laughs> like again, I, okay. It's, I don't know. Like kids in England, you get the sense they're just in kids' clothes. And obviously in France, you get kids just wearing like normal kids' clothes, like hoodies and stuff with a lot of pictures, images on it and stuff. But the kids in this video, Maybe they were sort of like quite posh French kids or something. I don't know, but they were wearing like cardigans and nice leather shoes and like trousers and stuff, and and that was weird. And then the other thing that was weird is that they were meeting each other and they were all kissing each other on the cheeks when they met each other, and that's like what you know that was weird. <laughs> like them all kissing, they're all these kind of grown ups all kissing each other. Everyone seemed so sophisticated and so well behaved compared to us English like hooligan kids. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the kind of things, yeah, which were a bit surprising, you know, even though I knew it, but when you experience it, yes, that's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was it then in England
1: that made you improve your English so much? Because was it, was it just simply being there that was enough? Or did you have to do or think certain things to try and really improve?
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, being exposed is one thing, but obviously I needed to to, to move a bit forward. I mean, I had to, you know, search out for situations where I was out of my comfort zone, you know. Or yes, I mean, for example, uh, trying to, to get to know people when I was shopping, for example, talk a bit more and that's how I met you know one of my best friend now who lives in the in Ireland and I've known for more than 20 years you know that's how it started we just had a chat you know in a shop and then we, you know we started to get each other you know nothing special I was just wanting to have new connections in the country and I wanted to be in contact with native speakers you know and um, yes I met loads of people like that and uh, I'm still in contact with them they're very close and dear friends and um, yes, I wanted to be surrounded with lots of native speakers because obviously I was not the only assistant. You know, there were all the uh, French people, and the problem is when you stay, you know, with uh, French people all the time, it may be complicated for you to sort of improve your own English, even though uh, I had wonderful times, you know, with them. But you still need to to do something else, you know. To I wanted to make the most of it while I was uh, in England, obviously. Mm. So you actually had, you know, you
1: really forced yourself to, to try and spend time with English people as much as possible Mm. and so on. Okay. Did you, I mean, what kinds of things were you doing? Like, were you just kind of like hanging out with English people or did you, get involved in any kind of clubs or, or or like sport or music or anything like that
0: uh yes sports because you know there were lots of activities in, in the schools you know so i was part of a of a team a basketball team but it's true that because um i made a couple of friends in england it was like normal life as if i was in france really so i could be invited to their place and then we had other connections and uh and i realized that one of them you know could speak you know german so that was great and then oh that was wonderful you know to be in the middle of several languages as well but uh, obviously you start with one person then you talk to another one and then you've got a wide connection with other people and that's great you know and that's how you start to you have your own connections and uh, you're more surrounded with other people obviously it's
1: great yeah just putting yourself out there one friendship leads to another and so on and so forth yeah yeah okay um so then coming back to france then you, you you started working as an english teacher then so you where you had been previously teaching french in england you started teaching english in france that's right yes how was that then um
0: which age group did you start teaching same same but in a very difficult area because I was taking the uh, the exams, you know, at the same time uh, to be a qualified teacher. And uh, you can start teaching, actually, as long as you've got your degrees, you can start teaching. But when you start, you often start with, uh, you know, with uh, in very hard schools, I would say, where it's really? difficult to impose discipline. It was in a public comprehensive school and um my first experience was um traumatic yeah Tra- traumatic oh yeah definitely yeah how and I said, well the kids the kids and i've just realized that teaching was much harder than i expected and um even though my english was quite good even though i knew all the uh, the theory about teaching and everything must had to impose discipline and i was not prepared i used to um do lots of camps, you know, summer camps during the summer when I was younger. And I thought it was a bit the same. I know teenagers, I know what they like, but it has nothing to do with that, obviously. Especially I mean, in these rough, in the rough schools. Oh yeah, yeah. And that can destroy um, a teacher, you know, forever and stop their career, you know, for good. And uh, yes, it was really hard, you know, to be a good teacher and in those conditions. Um so can you yeah. give us some sorry can you give us some examples of
1: the sorts of things that you faced?
0: Well yes first of all um I expected to um to have a sort of mutual respect in the classroom and in fact the problem is at school uh, lots of uh, students you know the pupils they they they're in the classroom not because they want to be there they don't have the choice so lots of them didn't care they couldn't be bothered you know about English so it is very difficult to find engaging lessons when they're just not motivated. Apart from that, you know, you had to impose discipline a lot, more than 50% of the time. You had to, yes, impose discipline, to, you know, to, you can, you can teach in those conditions. You know, no. they could very easily uh, start fighting, you know, in the middle of the classroom and you, no, no. And it just didn't care about, you know, threatenings, you know, warnings, nothing could, could help really. So that was particularly, oh, knackering, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Exhausted, <laughs> Honestly, I mean, uh, after one hour I was just, you know, oh, you know, I was, uh, I was just dead really. Yeah. And how many hours did you have to teach a w- in a week? Well, the thing is when you start, I mean, a full time position is about 18 hours. So more or less, that's what I, I
1: had. Yes. 18 hours. Of actual contact time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Sounds tough. And and did you find certain things worked? Were there some things that actually oh, worked?
0: The thing is, well, you have to still do your job, you know, but obviously there were, you know, some people who were interested and who, and you, you know, that was the only motivation. I'm going to do my work for them. My job for these, these kids, you know, these are uh, pupils because they want to learn. So why would I stop, you know, doing my job? just because there are a couple of uh, you know, well, youngsters who want to be a sort of, a, I don't know, want to be <laughs> rebels. Yeah. Rebels. Yes. Well,
1: yeah. The, yeah. So, okay. So like some, uh, most of the students were, were kind of up for it, but then there were just some elements that would kind of
0: ruin everything. You know, that can be, that, that, that can be very difficult for a teacher to witness, you know, his work and, and say, okay, no, it's not working. I'm not going anywhere. That that can be devastating. Hmm. I mean,
1: what's I don't know if you know, but like, what do you think is a solution to this? I mean, uh, where does the answer lie?
0: I think you just need to get prepared. You know, you've got to you to get the tools at the very beginning because uh, uh, you need to know how to handle these kids. You know, and some teachers are just made for that. Like what, what? I mean, that's not my personality. I mean, some of them, you know, I've got, I've, I know teachers who are very charismatic. Wherever they go, they can impose discipline, you know, with a blink, you know, in the blink of an eye, you just, they, they just respect, you just know that. And for others, it's just harder, you know, mm. and they are just like that, you know, they're just this kind of tough contact with the kids, just love it. And they, they, they manage to do something with them. Uh, I'm not this kind of uh teacher. I don't think I am. And
1: so how many, how how long were
0: you working in that kind of I environment? Two years. And then I said, listen, no, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to do the adults. <laughs> how many, how many years? Sorry, I didn't catch it. How many years? years you know? Two. Yes. I said, yeah, it's too much for me. And I said, uh, this is not a kind of public. I, I don't want to impose this. In me. I want to teach English. And that's how it started with adults afterwards you know i wanted to have motivated uh, people you know public you know who who's willing to to learn you know and to um, yeah, and it helped me you know work on my on my on my on my job you know more efficiently and uh, yes i love that it was very interesting
1: so you, you ended up you, you work in an engineering school now yes. is that what is yes. that what you
0: moved yes. to yeah because I, I, I taught a variety of 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 uh, people so I did adults, yes, and then I came back. To now I work in a private school, comprehensive school, and a few hours in an engineering school where I have uh, adults, yes, I teach adults, which is great as well. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Oh yes, I
1: like it's it. Won- it's wonderful, actually, isn't it? It is. <laughs> when the when the students are
0: motivated and keen, it's just no end yes. to what you can do. Yeah, very short, you know. Yeah, they're very um, small groups as well, so it's very good for you know, talk, you know, when it comes to, you know, converse, you know, have longer conversations and, uh, nothing to impose, you know, no discipline at all. Mm. That's, it's good. I like it. Mm. Wonderful. Um,
1: so let's see. I'm, I'm curious about being a teacher when English is not your first language. Yeah. Right. Mm. So for me, for example, um, okay. So when, when, when someone asks you a question or you're dealing with a language point or you're doing a language exercise with your students, let's say you've, you're working from a course book and there's an exercise, you know, just the, the, the typical le- exercises that we do in our lessons. Let's say it's a gap fill, a grammar gap fill or something. Um, wh- for you, where do the answers come from? Because for me, when I look through a grammar exercise, um, it, 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 I kind of... I analyze the language first and foremost using instinct. So I will run the sentence through my head or I'll say it out loud and I'll just feel whether it feels correct or not. And then after that, I'll impose my understanding of grammar in order to sort of um, verbalize the answer or explain it in linguistic terms. But my first port of call, my first, uh, you know, my first way of doing it is just to sense whether it feels right or wrong. I mean, how about for you?
0: Well, the thing is, because they're not high level, so it's not that difficult. You know, when we studied, you know, grammar at university, we did lots of linguistics. So we studied grammar to a very high level. So it's not that difficult. You know, it's much harder when you teach adults and they've got as B2, C2 levels. So obviously you need to work beforehand because you may have questions and you need to think what they may ask me. So I need to think before, you know, because sometimes they may ask me tricky questions and that what, what how it it is, you know, as an English person, it's easier for you, even it's instincts, but you need to give them an answer, how they can apply this rule in another context, you see, and that makes it very difficult. For, yes, the public we have, it's not that difficult, you know, for teenagers. But when they've got a higher level, they may ask you tricky questions. And obviously, yes, you need to check, you need to do some research if you're not sure, you know, to be able to give them a sort of uh, input that it can use afterwards. Yeah, you need to be able
1: to give them, yeah, the kind of the key, the the the, the grammatical answer, which they can yeah, then apply.
0: Yeah. You, could, yeah, you just can't say to them, oh, well, that's the way it is. That's how it works. Just learn it by heart.
1: You have to sometimes, though, don't you?
0: Or is there always an answer? Yeah. The thing is, they always want to translate. You know, from English to French. You know, well, French is different. I don't understand why do they say that like that. Well, that's the way it is. Stop thinking. Imagine you are an English person. That's the way they think. They're not asking themselves questions about it.
1: Sometimes that does happen though and it happens with me in French when I'll look at a sentence especially in French when there are so many like um, pronouns complicated pronouns and um, little grammatical words mm-hmm. okay if i say for example ilion like the en, like e n on in a in a sentence ilion yeah. uh, how would i say that ilion a
0: uh, beaucoup dans la maison Il y
1: a beaucoup dans la maison, which is like yeah. saying there are lots of them in the in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Il y a beaucoup dans la maison, but so in English it would be there are. That's in French il, il y a. That's right. But the on anyway, basically, I, I I'm not really good at, good enough in French to give a a, a coherent uh, analysis of it now. But what I have to say to myself in those cases is. Um, I just have to stop panicking about the fact that it seems so different and weird, and I, I just kind of like I can't work this out. What what's this little word, and I, why do they do it like this? Why do they and put I the pronoun there,
0: not there? Exactly what our students think. Mm-hmm. Exactly English. Why would they use this little word in that you know very specific place? Why? Some of them are very stubborn. But at the end of the day, you need to tell them, well, that's the way it is. You know, of course you give them an explanation. You try to, but when it's obvious and that's the way it is, and there's no real explanation, how can, what can you do? You just have to surrender to the language, don't you? That's right.
1: (laughs) Just going (laughs) to be like, okay, fine. I'll just accept it and just go with it.
0: Exactly. Well, sometimes that's what you've got to do. There's not a real answer for everything, to everything.
2: Mm-hmm. yes of course mm-hmm. there are
0: rules yes you can apply them but sometimes you know the more you sort of accept it the easier it is you know and then it comes naturally and then you know that language you know you just speak it you just use it and you just know it is you know because do you think that they will explain how they use english in the future no they would just just use it just like this okay and they're not going to justify everything they say. Yes, I should say that because that's the rule. Speak spontaneously. It's a shortcut. It goes faster.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got to kind of feel it. Yes. And if you if you get too caught up in the grammatical side of things, that can actually hold you back, can't it? It's a weird balance to strike. What, 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 what do you think about that? Like how much do you think people should be focusing on grammar and how much should people be focusing on just this nebulous English thing for communication, which is hard to understand or explain.
0: The thing is we're not supposed to do lots of um, grammar with our pupils. We're supposed to explain to them in a context, you know, why they use should, why they use other grammar point, whatever, you know, Mm. in a context so they understand it and they understand the rules by themselves. Okay not going to explain them in details this is the rule and then give them examples first of all you give them the context the examples and then you explain and you make them understand how it works to make it more natural so they can use it by themselves
1: yeah you just present the language in context and the kind of
0: in a way language
1: as a system we're all designed to kind of use language Mm. and if we just focus on understanding it then the, the, the sort of language systems like grammar sort of work themselves out exactly. in our head. It's very mysterious, isn't it, really? It is. It is. How about you then? So having lived in England, say, 20 years ago for a couple of years and going back and forth a bit, how do you manage to maintain your level of English?
0: Well, that's the whole point, you know, when you're young and you spend a long time, you know, uh, teaching, I mean, not teaching, but learning and uh, studying English at university, it's easy. But when you've got a job and when you're an English teacher, that's why I was saying my recording, how do you keep your English up to date? That's the thing. And uh, I think one day I said, well, I've got to take a good look at myself, you know, question myself and say, OK, I have the feeling I have reached a certain plateau. How can I move forward? Because as I said, there are always situations where when you don't know certain words or when you keep questioning yourself and uh, and it's good to sort of um, practice all the time. So I said, how can I do that? And uh, that's how I discovered your podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I needed to be exposed to more English because uh, I didn't have the opportunity to move that much to england i couldn't speak that much to my friends as well because even though i've got friends okay in england and uh, contacts in the us it's i can't speak to them on a regular basis how do you keep on practicing so yes platforms like italki for example i talk to hundreds of people honestly how- I would say hundred more than that. Yeah. In
1: what way? In what way? In what in because iTalkie there's like three different ways you can talk to yes. people. There's like paid teachers, community tutors that you pay for, but they are not qualified teachers. And then there's language exchanges. That's as right. Well, which are
0: free. I've, I've done all. I've done all on iTalkie. Um and uh yes, I gave lessons I you know, French discussion on iTalkie. And I also found um, language partners. And uh, it took quite a long time before I actually found people who I got on well. You know, this takes time, to be honest, to find the perfect profile. And the person's got, um, you know, a high, I would say, commands of French, uh, who's native, obviously, but who's got a high, um, you know, proficiency of uh, French, who you can talk to. And, French. Yeah, French. Because if you've got, because what it, what was good was you know swapping languages. I wanted to talk to an English person, but I wanted you know sort of win-win conversation. You know, somebody talks in French and I talk in English, and then we do vice versa, in order to sort of. Uh, it, it couldn't be just one way; otherwise, it would have been you know sort of uh, teaching English. You know, I don't know. So, do you in, know your, in your in la-
1: your in your language exchanges, then that you're talking about, yeah.
0: Yeah. You, so I French you like, do, you,
1: you, sorry, you do about 30 minutes. I'm, I'm imagining it's well, 30 minutes English and 30 minutes French
0: or, or, it's or not, what? It's not that, it's not that accurate, to be honest. It's not like, okay, let's talk 30 minutes. Let's just speak. Okay. Sometimes you can take one, one and a half hours. So I won't say 45 minutes. Sometimes we just speak in English or sometimes we just speak in French the whole time, you know, but it comes just naturally. It just naturally was just swap languages you know, because we're good enough in both languages to just swap from one language to the other, you know. And it takes time to find someone who you can talk to, you know, uh, who you can share lots of things, can be everyday things, very serious things. And uh, I think that really helped me. And it's, I mean, it's still helping me, you know, to sort of improve my English. And also because I, I want to be able to to keep talking to my friends as well. You know, I can't just stop because I don't speak to them for, let's say, three months. My English is going to decrease. And then when I talk to them, I'm like, oh, difficult. And I just don't want that. You know, yeah. I just want to have an English ready to be used anytime. Just ready to go. Exactly. Kind of thing. So, yes. And uh, that's, that's what I do. That's one thing. And strangely enough, I mean, uh, I've met uh, a couple of persons so interesting um, there's one who's in London, actually, uh, who's got a very good uh, level of French and uh, who who likes a lot, you know, literature, writing and everything. And uh, sometimes she just gives me subjects to write about and she corrects it in English. You know, I write in English and then she corrects it and say, okay, you could write that like that and everything. And it's um, it's great because that that also helps me improve my, my my writing as well, you know.
1: That's a language exchange partner, is it? Yeah. yeah and does like she? That.
0: Do you do the same kind of thing for her too? Well, if she wants to, yeah. But obviously, that's what she offered me. I said, okay, yes, I'm. You know, I'm up for it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah.
2: That's, you know, that's, that's amazing.
0: We're so, having a conversation. I said, well, I'm trying to write in English, but I can write in English, but. The thing is I need someone to pre-read me or to, you know, review or, I don't know, correct everything that pre my, my my writing, you know. And it's good also from, I would say, from a native point of view to have, even though my English is correct, I would say, but would it be colourful or as idiomatic as an English speaker would write, you say, And that's what I'm trying to do. So, yes, even though it's not wrong, but sometimes I'm a bit influenced by the way, the fact that I'm French. You see, so, and that's, and she's very helpful. So we can speak, we write a lot, we talk about everything. And, uh, and also talk to another person who's uh, American as well. And, uh, strangely enough, I talked with her and she said that she, um, she, her husband actually, she's retired and she's got such a wonderful level of French. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, these kind of person are very inspiring. How could she be able to keep practicing a French, you know, at 70? You know, I'm surprised. And she's an eighty-six. So she doesn't live in France. She lives in the States. And she's got uh, this uh, writing group, uh, a writing group um, that's, uh, that was created about 20 years ago. And she asked me to join it. I said, let's do it. Once again, another way to to sort of um, go out, you know, to get out of my comfort zone and say, OK, I know that I would have to use a very high level of, of English, you know, to be able to be, I don't know, to join the group because they're all native speakers. So I'm not supposed to be a writer, even, you know, let alone, you know, a native uh, writer.
1: They're writers. They are all native English speakers. That yeah. It's a writer's group for just people who like to write in English. uh, Yeah. 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 So you're, you're, you're kind of part of that group. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's great. So the thing is that it takes time and effort to find the right people. And I mean, if, you know, if we're talking about italki, as i mentioned, the three different ways of, Doing it, language exchange partners are are free, aren't they? Because it's basically a, like a social network That's right. where you can you can try and meet people who 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 want to do language exchanges. Well, but yeah, is, you've got to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to you got to um, do a lot of searching until you find the right person who fits the right kind of profile for you, and don't give up.
0: Oh yes, yeah, you need to do things. You know, lots of um, yeah, you you've got to once again to to be able to, doing things outside you know as long as it's entertaining i like talking to people anyway it's entertaining talking even if i it's just you know for a few sessions it's quite it's still interesting to talk to these people you know mm-hmm. it's um, even though it doesn't last in in time but it's it's still very entertaining and you learn it's still learning everything is a poss- you know is an excuse for me to learn english once again And I just, yeah, do it.
1: Where does your motivation to do all this come from then? Obviously, you've got the fact that you work as a teacher and you've got a professional reason. You've got to maintain English so that you can do your job properly. But um, it's more than that, isn't it? Where where does it all come from? Where does this
0: motivation and desire come from? As Luke Thompson says, I have a particular set of skills. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Well, I don't don't know, uh, Luke. Um, um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. And I think, I genuinely think that if you want to improve and if you want to keep a high proficiency in in the language, you definitely need to be curious. You know, keep looking, keep searching, be interested, you know, and uh, talk to people be surrounded with native speakers, you know, you know, even if it's a short time, a short period of time, these are all excuses to sort of improve it. How does it come? You know, where does it come from? I just don't know. I just, uh, I just know it's it, my, my journey is not finished. I'm mm-hmm. just all my life. Will I will have to learn, keep learning all the time. So it's not a pressure. Sometimes it is because as I said, I'm, I'm a professional. If you're not well, people will say, oh, your English is good, but I'm, I'm an English teacher. And <laughs> as a foreigner, you just don't want to find yourself in embarrassing situations. What do you mean? That's, I mean, embarrassing situation, it's not embarrassing. It's, it's just that uh, in France, I really have the feeling that uh, because we're English teachers, we're supposed to be to know absolutely everything.
1: Yeah, perfection is what's expected.
0: Exactly. I mean, and that's why I said to my student, I don't know everything. You know, and if I don't know, I'm going to look for it because I'm still learning as well. It's just that I'm much more advanced than you, but I'm still a learner. Even if I'm a teacher, you see, I would never say to you, I know, I'm an English teacher. I know everything. That's not true. You know, sometimes just listen to things. I'm like, what is that? What is it? I don't understand. Really? There are times when you're listening to things and you don't understand what's being said. Of course. Yeah. I mean, if I, because I, I'm trying to get exposed to a variety of accents and obviously if I'm, you know, quite comfortable comfortable with that uh, English language uh, when it comes to American or, you know, northern languages, you know, like uh, Scottish or even Welsh, well, Welsh is another language. I know, I mean, I'm lost, you know. and yeah, if, you, if you listen to like a Glaswegian
1: just speaking normally, I mean, that, oh, yeah. that's really difficult, oh, right? Be,
0: yes really difficult so yes no this is a bit of ex- extreme but uh it never ends never ends yeah
1: it's like english proficiency is like a continuum it's there is no end point right. i mean even me I and mean, if we're talking about this you know i feel also like a learner of english in a way i know that sounds ridiculous some people are going to think that sounds ridiculous because, I mean, there are things I don't know, like, for example, I mean, sure, I I grew up with the language. And so I have a certain le- uh, level of ease, and it is my first language. And so, you know, I speak like English people do. And so I've got that built in level of ease and... um yeah, understanding and proficiency and naturalness with the language, uh, but there are tons of things I don't know, and 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 um, tons of issues I have with my own writing in English and so on, where I'm writing things and I'm correcting myself, and i constantly feel like I'm on a on a journey to being a better communicator. Um, it's it's in English in this case, but it's not just about understanding the rules of the language it's just it's so much greater than that it's all about the way you apply yourself and uh the 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 sort of uh human interactions you have it's almost on a sort of human to human level of trying to be more patient or trying to be more um, um um empathetic to the people you're talking to learning to be a better listener uh and 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 so on and so forth this yeah it's a real skill to be able to listen to people it's a really important part of communicating with them you've got to absolutely. listen so carefully to the people you're talking to so that you don't say lots of unnecessary things yes okay so we so we're all learners of english
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> okay oh, yeah. william it's been really interesting to talk to you
0: oh well, that's my pleasure
1: and, uh, you know, best of luck as you continue your your journey with English.
0: Thank you so much, Luke. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and sharing your thoughts with us. No. Um, we all appreciate it very, very much.
0: No, thank you. You know, in the first place, I really appreciate it. It's thank been you. a pleasure to be uh, on the podcast with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, um, I'll let you go now.
0: Okay. Yep. Thank you so much, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I hope to, you know, talk to you another day. Another yes.
1: Time. Yes, quite possibly.
0: Okay. Okay. Right. Well, bye, Luke. Bye. bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.
1: So that was William from France. I really enjoyed talking to him. He's a lovely guy. And here are some of the things I took away from this. Here are some thoughts and reflections. I'll probably be repeating things I said in the introduction a little bit, but, you know, that's what I do, isn't it? That's my thing, isn't it? Repeating stuff. Actually, I think I repeat things. I do repeat things sometimes, but largely that's just because sometimes it's necessary, I feel. Anyway, it's all right. It's okay, Luke. No problem. All right, fine. Repeat. It's your podcast. Repetition is the mother of skill. Isn't that it? Repetition is the mother of learning something like that. I'm not going to go off on on a tangent on that again. Like if repetition is the mother of learning, who is the father of learning? And anyway, never mind. Um, So here are some reflections based on that conversation. So again, English is a journey. It's not a destination. Um, There is no end point in terms of learning English. It's like being a musician or a sports player. Right? you just something you have to just keep doing and doing and doing all the time in order to maintain your level and, and to just push yourself further. But there's no limit. It's not like any guitarist one day is kind of like, right, well, okay, that's it. I'm done. The guitar is finished. You know, no guitarist has ever done that. They're, everyone has to just keep working and working and working. And similarly with, with sports players, you know, there's there seems to be no limit. Um people just keep managing to run faster and faster and faster. I don't know if there's like a, a limit. Maybe eventually athletes will train to a certain extent where they're like I can't literally physically cannot run any faster. The human body has reached its its absolute pinnacle and if if we push it any further the, the you know the legs will fall off or you know we'll go back to the future or something. I don't think that's the case. What am I talking about? I'm basically saying that there is there's no end point. It's just a process, an ongoing process. And learning English is the same thing. Like being a musician or a sports player, there's always training to be done and room to improve in terms of technique, general fitness and fluency and so on. You have to practice all the time, And there are always ways in which you can gain more control and more efficiency in how you use English to express ideas. It comes through practice, practice, practice. This is true for native speakers of the language as well, including me. I see myself as a work in progress too, in terms of how effective I am as a speaker or writer of English. Finding language partners for language exchanges can be a great way to get regular practice into your life. But you have to find the right person, and this can take a long time. But don't let that stop you. Keep searching. Keep talking to different people until you find someone who is right for you. This could be true of one-to-one teachers as well as just language exchange partners. Sometimes you need to shop around a bit. Remember, like William, you can find language exchange partners, conversation partners, and English teachers on iTalkie. I mean, this is a well-known platform now, isn't it? Uh, But if you're thinking, where do I find these people to speak English with? Well, you you know, you can do it online, italki. Italki is both a sort of marketplace for online teachers, but also a social network, okay, Uh, which you can use to find other language learners from around the world. And that could include fluent English speakers who want to learn your language, and like william you could just informally set up conversations with these people and spend some time speaking english and some time speaking in your language so they can you can help them and if you get the right person that can be an invaluable source of practice for you so consider using italky to sign up for italky you can still use my link which I don't generally I don't generally promote them at the beginning of episodes these days, but you can still use teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. Okay, teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. You can still use that. And if you access italki through that link uh, and then buy some lessons with a teacher, italki will send you a discount voucher worth $10, which you can use next time. But you don't even need to buy any lessons, really. You could just sign up for italki and, you know, create a profile and then start using their social network and try to look for language exchange partners and keep searching. You're right. The point here is be patient, be dedicated, keep searching, don't give up. And you could find someone who you can practice your English with on a regular basis in a mutually beneficial way. You can help them with your language. They can help you with English. It could be Also, be a a way to make new friends as well. All right. But, you know, search, shop around. You're probably going to meet some people who are a bit rubbish. I mean, not just in terms of their language level, but, you know, they just might be sort of time wasters or unreliable. You're going to have to probably go through a few people. A bit like dating, isn't it? In a way, it's like language dating. You've got to go out with a few people who disappoint you, (laughs) or you've got to have a number of relationships that don't really work but, um, and you, you might feel, oh, this is, I'm, I'm never going to find someone. I'm always going to be alone. This is horrible. Um, and, or you just kind of stick with it and eventually you find someone who, who, you know, who you, who's right for you. That's the, that's the idea. Um, and finally, generally, I would say stay curious about English especially in terms of learning about how the language works in order to work on your grammar in a sort of organic way. So just be curious about, hmm, why is English like this? And, I mean, it's perfectly natural to to be frustrated with a language. Like, uh, why? Why do they do it like that? Why is it that structure? Why do they have all these weird exceptions and things? Totally natural human reaction, but at some point you've got to just say, "Well, that's just the way it is," and you just got to accept it and go with it. Um, Okay. So, but anyway, stay curious about how the language works. And just, you know, trying to work it out. And, and referring to, to grammar books or language reference books could be helpful. A tip could be Practical English Usage by Michael Swan, which is a, a well-known and well-used um, English reference book which can explain lots of things about the way English works. Um, Practical English Usage by Michael Swan, a good reference book for English grammar and English usage. Meaning just like ways in which English is is typically used, it doesn't have practice exercises. in it. it doesn't have practice exercises in it. Can you say that sentence? It doesn't have practice exercises in it. Exercises in it, it doesn't have practice exercises in it. <laughs> you see, even even I struggle with English sometimes. Even me. <laughs> um, Right, let me try and say that sentence again, okay? It doesn't have practice exercises in it. Ha! Can you do it? It doesn't have practice exercises in it. Another way of saying it would be, it doesn't contain practice exercises, (laughs) but it's a good reference guide, okay? So anyway, um, so stay curious about the language, but also stay curious about other people, because this is really important in developing good communication skills, It's not just about how well you can speak and express yourself. It's also about how well you interact with other people and listening to others is a big part of that. So be curious about the language, but just be curious about people that you meet and be interested in other people when you talk to them. And you'll find that your communication skills will kind of thrive as a result of that. I feel that's something that William does. he's interested in other people, and that's a strength of his that's one of the reasons why he communicates well right so English is not just a thing that you that you that you make it's not just like i i will you know uh what am I trying to say? I will throw English at people here <laughs> there's my English it's much more of a human Process than that. And it's all about the way that you interact with people. That is a large part of it as well. And listening and being curious about people and responding specifically to the things they say is uh, important for communicative competence. Okay, right. So there are just some thoughts that occurred to me at the end of this episode here. Feel free to share your thoughts too in the comments section on the website or on YouTube. Um, On the website... Let me remind you that you should leave your comments on the relevant episode page rather than on the main front page uh, People do that sometimes, but that your comment is likely to just get lost amongst all the other comments that appear on the front page of the website. Put your comment, if it specifically relates to an episode, put it on the episode page. That way, it, it's more likely to be read and it'll stay there, you know, forever for the, you know because obviously my website's going to last forever. Um I would also like to say that talking to William gave me personally a little boost. He said some nice and sincere things about this podcast to me, sort of off the record when we weren't recording, about how it helped him and how I might be helping other people, and I appreciated that. So, good luck to you William and all the listeners also who are still listening all the way up to this point in the episode. If you are one of those people which I suppose you are because if you're not listening to this if you stopped listening then you won't hear this but and so you the people who are still listening nice one you are you're the best ones who who listen all the way through some people didn't some people like oh, i'm going to stop and they stopped listening and then they just didn't continue huh what what are they thinking i don't know but uh, but not you oh no look listen to me buttering you up for some reason i'm not buttering you up i'm not trying to flatter you but uh you know anyway i i guess I guess, you know, still feel good, give yourself a pat on the back, right? There you go, permission from me as if as if I'm someone who has the authority to tell you to feel good, but I mean someone's got to tell you, right? There you go, you have permission to feel good about yourself now. All right, nice one. Uh Okay. Well, that's pretty much it from me. I will speak to you again in the next episode. Again, a reminder that I am working on premium series 29 at the moment. It's called What Did Rick Say? And it's all about English that my dad used on the podcast recently. And so premium subscribers, look out for new episodes in premium series 29 arriving soon. teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info for more details and to sign up. But otherwise, have a lovely day. Now, (laughs) you know what? Guitars here. I'm going to try and sing a song. So talking about For example, always trying to improve and practice and stuff like that, and maybe um, having some modesty, or maybe even, um, what, what am I trying to say? Trying to practice and improve, and being willing to make a few mistakes and things, and accepting imperfections. With that in mind, I'm going to play you a song, and I'm going to play you a song that I've been working on, and... I don't think it's perfect, okay? It's not perfect. There are mistakes and things in my guitar playing. Maybe I'm not perfectly in tune in my voice, but actually the spirit of this episode is all about um, just doing it anyway, okay? And focusing on the positives. So I'm going to play a song to you. Um, The song is Don't Let Me Down by the Beatles, which many of you will know. Um, i'm not I don't need to 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 say anything about the song really um you can find the lyrics i'll I'll link the lyrics on the page for the episode you can listen to the lyrics and try and work out what the song is about ultimately you know it's a love song basically you can you could probably go deeper into the lyrics and try and speculate about what John Lennon really meant and what if there are any double meanings in there uh but um yeah I'm gonna play a song for you I hope you like it um all right and then the jingle will arrive at the end of the song so before i start playing i will give you the usual bye 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 which i'm going to do now okay thanks for listening hope you like the song if you don't like me singing you can stop listening now and everything's fine otherwise keep listening and thank you okay all right then speak to you soon but for now goodbye bye bye bye, bye, bye.
2: Down Don't let me down Nobody ever loved me like she does oh she does Yes she does And if somebody loved me like she do me who she do me Yes she does. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. I'm in love for the first time. Don't you know it's gonna last? It's a love that lasts forever It's a love that has no past Don't let me down Don't let me down Don't let me down Don't let let And from the first time that she really done me Ooh, she done me She done me good I guess nobody ever really done me Ooh, she done me She done me good Don't let me down Don't let me Down, don't let me down.
1: Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premiuminfo.